sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Our guest today is an old friend and colleague of mine, Kevin Snyder, who serves as chief counsel of the Pacific Justice Institute based here in Northern California. Kevin, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Great to be with you again, Alan. And I understand that the state of California tried to shut down a Christian boarding school. What was that all about? And I, I guess they've survived, but, uh, and that's our story today. Tell us what happened. Well, a uh, Christian boarding school helps uh, young teens, many of them who are troubled, and uh, parents enroll them in this school that provides a Christian environment with, uh, with some structure in a Christian curriculum and worldview. Unfortunately, the California Department of Social Services uh, wants to have a monopoly on the human condition where they think that they should license all entities that deal with uh, troubled youth. And unfortunately, our client or the school cannot get a, uh, a license because uh, some of the requirements involve things that would be in conflict with their faith. And so they have had to decline that. And so social services through the Department of Justice as their attorneys took them to court and is trying to shut them down. Well, don't get me started on the Department of Justice. Um, I do battle with them when they represent uh, Department of Corrections. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have represented a number of correctional officers, um, occasionally uh, inmates as well, with religious freedom and civil rights violations. So California says, I mean, tell us more about the school. I mean, what's the criteria for the students to attend? They're troubled students in some sense. So, Kevin, tell us more about um, the type of kids that attend this boarding school and their circumstances. Well, some of them uh, have had trouble at home. Some have had trouble at school. Some have even uh, had issues where they've been sex trafficked, uh, but uh, they've... Uh, their parents or guardians uh, have wanted to put them in a new environment, and so they put them in there. One of the requirements is the students have to be qualified to be enrolled in any public school. And so that's uh, they do go through a significant amount of effort to make certain that they meet that criteria. So these are kids. So what, what kinds of criteria would exclude somebody from attending a public school? I think if someone had uh, uh, perhaps uh, be on probation, have some sort of um, um, referrals, be in the um, uh, criminal court system, maybe have uh, extreme uh, mental health issues, that sort of thing. Okay, so they're kids who've had some problems in the past, but they're being enrolled by parents or guardians. I mean, you know, I work for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We have a very large Protestant school system throughout the world and, and here in the United States. Um, you know, I had kids in church schools for many, many years, and nobody second-guessed whether I had a right to send my kids to church school or or whether these uh, church schools were 
legitimate. We never had the Department of Social Services uh, coming around uh, to question what we're doing in our in our Christian schools. Why this school? Uh, there has been a, a sea change, I'm afraid. And one of the things is that, um, frankly, the LGBTQ uh, activists, lobbyists have gotten to the legislature, the California legislature, and they have uh, put in certain requirements uh, for these uh, schools, which really stand as an existential threat to their operations. Let me give you some of them. One is that the school has to allow kids uh, religious freedom rights where they can go to any services, have any uh, religious activities or any spiritual advisors of their choosing. So if you go to a Catholic school, you would generally, parents would expect the students to have uh, Catholic chapels, have Catholic curriculum, those types of spiritual advisors, same with the Seventh-day Adventists, same with any really any other Christian school or any religious school for that matter. Um, but, uh, but religious institutions cannot simply uh, be told by the state that their own students have to be provided with other religious activities. So that's one of the problems. Another problem is that they, they have to train the staff, religious staff, on issues of cultural competency and sensitivity to LGBTQ matters. In so doing, well, that is compelled speech. That's uh, requiring a religious institution to re- to train its religious workers in something that is against its religious faith. So they can't do that. And then the other thing is that they can't allow, under the regulations, these schools cannot do anything which would reduce or eliminate a same-sex romantic or sexual attractions or sexual activities. These regulations, they apply to all private schools, all religious schools. Who do they apply to? They're saying it applies to any school that provides services to someone who is in need of, of um, what we, we would call, so, they would call social services. So, yes, there you have troubled kids. And so they're saying, well, that's, Therefore, that comes under their state's jurisdiction if you have a troubled kid. Aha. Okay. Because I, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm quite sure that these are not regulations applying broadly to schools generally. I don't know why this school should be considered in a different category, but I gather there's been a court ruling. So what happened in court? Well, the court, the Department of, um, Justice filed a motion to have a what they call a preliminary injunction to shut down the school while the case is going forward. Well, if you shut down a school during the middle of the year, that's the end of the school. That's really the end of the case. And so we fought that. And the court found two things of interest. One is that the, uh, yes, these students are in need of what they would call social services or that type of care. But on the other hand, they said that look, this is going to cause harm to the school because it interferes with their religious rights, their free exercise of religion, and their freedom of speech. And uh, so, therefore, if you have this Constitution and you have a statute that bumps up against the First Amendment, guess who wins? The First Amendment should win. So that's what the court did. And so we got a good victory, but we're still in the middle of litigation on that. So the court said what now? protected the religious freedom rights of the school? 
It's on several, on all three of these issues, you can't compel, for one thing, as far as um, LGBT uh, cultural sensitivity and uh -huh. um, competency, that's compelled speech. You can't require someone to say something that's against their faith, a religious institution. Right. And right. the court, uh, recent case in the Supreme Court, uh, uh, NIFLA that was on, involved in the abortion. Uh -huh. And then, then the other thing was the uh, court says, well, with regards to these um, not being able to do anything which reduces or eliminates romantic same-sex attractions, well, that censorship can't require a religious institution to shut its mouth. And then, of course, um, with um, uh, this issue of uh, giving students religious freedom so they could have spiritual exploration, well, that would violate a religious institution's uh, free exercise of religion. So what's the status of the case now that the court has rejected uh, the request for a preliminary injunction? Well, we have uh, 15 depositions uh, scheduled. The other side has noticed eight, and we've noticed seven. And so uh, it's, uh, we're going full blast on this. Um, one of the things that is of interest is that all of these regulations, if you violate any of them, uh, you could be criminally prosecuted. So that adds another twist to this tale. I see. So we're going to have to come back and revisit this case in the future. It's, it's very much ongoing. Now, what court is this case pending in? This is in the California Superior Court in the county of Shasta. You know, I was going to guess that this was not in one of the big cities. Um, those who don't live in California may have uh, kind of a stereotype view of California, you know, as a state that is blue through and through. But the fact is, we're blue and red both. And, you know, rural California, which is where Shasta County is, is very similar to rural America in many other parts of the West and, and the rest of the United States. Um, and, of course, we have judges who are both liberal and conservative here in California. So I kind of figured it, it might be somewhere like that. Um, as part of the uh, strategy on your part to say that the school is not, um, you know, should not be treated differently than any other Christian school? Yes, that's part of it. Uh, the main part of this, of our case, is that you can't, through uh, civil or criminal sanctions, require a religious institution to engage in things that are against its faith. And uh, we think that that's a strong argument, and uh, we're hopeful that the courts on up the line, beginning with this trial court, uh, will see it that way. Well, you know... If we put this in kind of the broader First Amendment perspective, Kevin, we've had a lot of discussions on this show over the years about how government actions that are religion neutral are no longer subject to First Amendment objections. But what we're seeing in this case is not government actions that are religion neutral. They're very much targeting a Christian school in ways that directly impact on the religion of that school. That's correct, Alan. And um, another thing that's interesting that helps us is that this is, in many respects, a hybrid case where you have freedom of speech connected or intertwined uh, with uh, religious practice. And as you know, the freedom of speech um, tests more friendly than the free exercise tests. Sure. 
Well, I'm wondering if the state tried to make the argument that really it was just enforcing religion-neutral laws and that there was no targeting of religion here. Uh, yeah, that's what they're trying to say. And um, what's very helpful is in the um, recent cases, Masterpiece Cake, I hope your audience has some familiar with that, in the abortion cases, the Nifla case, that was a case we were involved in as well, that the court has rightly understood that freedom free exercise is often performed within the context of speech. Unless you're a monk that's taken a vow of silence, most of us right. engage in our religion through our speech. And so they see this intertwining. So we're hopeful that, that eventually the courts are going to, to move the test more towards the uh, free exercise, more towards the same level as they've done for freedom of speech. Well, you know, I did an article some years ago under the title, No Right is an Island. And in fact, mm -hmm. the, the brief that we have submitted to the California Supreme Court on several occasions really was developing that theme that you really can't separate rights that you care about from rights that you don't care about. That mm -hmm. all of these rights are intertwined. And of course, if you think about religion, well, what do we do? When we go to church, we practice freedom of assembly, and we practice freedom of speech, and if we record the sermon and broadcast it over the internet, well then, the freedom of the press, and of course, religious freedom. So, you know, you've got all these different First Amendment freedoms that really are so closely intertwined, right? We certainly wish you the best in the future of this case, and by all means, folks, if you're aware of religious freedom challenges in education, let us know. Go ahead, Kevin, before we close, give out the website for Pacific Justice Institute. Very simple, pji.org, like peanut butter jelly, india.org, pji.org. Our guest today, Kevin Snyder, Chief Counsel for Pacific Justice Institute. Thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Glad to do it. Take care. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Rennock. Until next week, let freedom ring. Freedom's Ring.